0: Welcome to the fourth podcast of the GCSE Class Civ Bristol Grammar School podcast series. Um, And today we're talking about foundation stories. Um, uh, In the foundation stories, there are Greece and Rome, as usual. um, And I want to look at four visual sources. So you're going to have to uh, either... Searching online, if you haven't got the uh, book to hand, or if you have, and I recommend you do, um, we'll be able to look at some um, pictures of some sources in that, really to get you thinking about these um, four different uh, foundation stories. First of all, if you turn back to page 50, now page 50 is in section three on temples, but that's where you can see... Page 50, at the bottom right, figure 1.29, you can see the central scene of the western pediment of the Parthenon. And that shows the battle between Athena and Poseidon, which is massively important when it comes to the foundation of Athens. Okay, Mr Watkins is just going to talk through now a little
1: bit about how that pans out. So the man you need to know as the founder of Athens was Kecrops, King Kekrops. He founded Athens and two gods, as shown in that uh, pediment, Athene and Poseidon, battled over who would get patronage of this new city. It wasn't called Athens at this time. That will be a bit of a spoiler uh, for who won. And to decide who won, they offered gifts to the city. Poseidon struck the centre of the Acropolis with his trident, which created a hole in the ground and... Out came a source of water, fantastic. However, as the god of the sea, the water source he created was seawater, salty. Cannot be used to water crops, cannot be used to be drunk, oh dear. Athenia tries next and she plants an olive tree. Doesn't seem like much. However, olives are really important because their oil can be used to clean. It can be used to cook. It can be used. The olives themselves can be used to uh, to eat. It's a sort olive oil is a source of light. And so it's such a useful gift that that was clearly the winning offering. And the city was named Athens in honour of Athene. So, second uh, visual
0: source I want to look at, uh, if you've got the textbook, it's on page 70, 70, and if you haven't and you have Google, uh, don't we all, then uh, you can type in Theseus Kylix, so that's T-H-E-S-E-U-S for Theseus, and Kylix is K-Y-L-I-X, and that'll come up. It's basically a drinking vessel um, and it's got the labours of Theseus on it because Theseus is the second significant figure in what they're calling the foundation of Athens. But Mr Watkins will go on to talk about um, the fact that he's not really a founder. He's already mentioned Kekrops, um, but uh, Mr Watkins will explain how Theseus fits into all of that in just a minute. What I want to do though... You may well be given that uh, that figure one forty five, um, that that picture of that kylix with the uh, sort of orangey red. Um, pictures on the black background um, in an exam because it is a prescribed source so I'll talk through which each one of them is and that'll help you kind of uh, get a sense of um, what uh, each one tells us about Theseus. I'm not going to go through it in the order it goes through in the uh, in the textbook in the uh, the the words in the textbook because that goes through sort of chronologically kind of one by one taking through the timeline of what Theseus did. I'm actually going to look at that um, Kylix in the picture I'm going to do it sort of by uh, clocks so if you look at sort of 12 o'clock right at the top there you've got Kyrcyon or Circion, C-E-R-C-Y-O-N um, the wrestler and this demonstrates how strong Theseus is Um, And basically Kersion uh, is a very famous wrestler and yet Theseus is able to defeat him. So you can see that they are grappling with each other, uh, their naked bodies uh, sort of um, wrapping around each other as they uh, they wrestle there. (coughs) If we go on to um, two o'clock now. Um, top right, and have a look at uh, that one. That's Procrustes being defeated. The way you can tell that is because Procrustes is sitting on a bed, and Procrustes' bed was the thing that he used in order to fool his victims um, into lying on them, and then when it turned out the bed was a bit too small for them, he would make them fit the bed by chopping off uh, the head and the feet. Um, And so therefore Theseus made Procrustes lie down on the bed, very cunning and basically did the same to Procrustes, cut off his head. So therefore Theseus, um, from Curseon, he's very good at wrestling, he's very strong. From the Procrustes story, he's very cunning, a little bit like like Hercules was. At about four o'clock, sort of bottom right of the uh, Kylix, is Skyron. And Skyron is an old guy who used to kick people into the sea, um, and they would then get eaten by a giant turtle. Theseus, very simply, He's there, he's sort of bashing um, Skyrun, but then eventually he um, chucks, him into, uh, chucks him off the cliff um, to suffer the same fate um, as the others. So he's kind of, you know, that's the sort of uh, appropriate way of the uh, nasty guy dying. Uh, you can see the turtle, if you look really carefully, um, just on the rock that Skyrun's sitting on we look at six o'clock now really obviously it's a bull it is the bull of marathon Um, it was known in the Hercules story as the Cretan bull but here it's made its way to marathon because of not quite being finished off by Hercules Um, and that is um, the bull of marathon which Theseus um, then uh, defeats going around to eight o'clock bottom left um, and you've got there the story of Cenus he's the guy who tied his victims to the end of bent pine trees and then released the pine trees and tore them in half. It's a pretty sort of gruesome story. But Theseus uh, basically tricked him by, in the same way, uh, roughly as he did um, with Procrastes, into being defeated by his own uh, method of uh, defeating others. Um, we've then got, right at the top left, you've got the, the uh, Cromionian sow. Uh, sow is just a word for a female pig. Um, And a couple of stories about this. One is that it's a real pig who he had to defeat, um, sort of similar to the Erymanthian boar that Hercules had a go at. Um, The other story is it's someone who's known as the sow because, uh, you know, she's a female thief who acts like a pig in some way. Whatever the case, clearly uh, Theseus is kind of wrapping, um, in a sense wrapping his hand whilst he advances with his sword because he's about to defeat the Cromionian sow. In the middle is the most famous um, part of this kylix, um, and also the most famous of Theseus's labours, which is the Minotaur. Um, now, the Minotaur um, is a story with lots and lots of details, but basically he gets some help with it from um, someone called Ariadne, um, he then defeat. He then um, leaves her on an island, the island of Naxos, uh, which shows that he was a little bit of a dastardly uh, creature, um, Theseus who who uh, treated women quite badly, um, and so that would be something you could mention if criticising Theseus's character. Um, ultimately, he did defeat the Minotaur, um, and uh, the story really shows his courage. So that's the kylex. Um, Mr. Watkins, would you like to talk a little bit about, uh, how Theseus ends up getting described as a founder of Athens? He's
1: not really a founder, is he? No. So this module is foundation stories. And we looked at Kekrops, who is the man who actually founded a city in the area that would eventually become Athens. Um, Theseus wasn't the founder of Athens. He was the reformer and the uniter of Athens. So Athens is a city in an area called Attica think of it as a city inside a county if that helps you and at that time all the different city states all the different tribes in Attica were fighting against each other each had its own town hall or council chamber that showed their own independence and theseus realized they would be much stronger if they all fought together so he destroyed their their town halls destroyed their council chambers and built a nice big one in in Athens so that they would all come together He unified Attica under the power of Athens. The other thing he did was um, he brought democracy to the area. Really, really important to the Greeks. Um, He said that in times of war, he would be the military leader and he would look after the laws. But in everything else, they would vote and they were all equal. So really important. He also, uh, to make sure they all had the same religion in the area, he initiated the Panathenaic Games. Where, so that um, all the different tribes could compete against each other in sport, but at the same time actually worshipping um, athene, the same goddess, when he died, he was uh, greatly revered by the Greeks. He was buried in the heart of the city, and there was a tomb and a sanctuary built in his honor and because he'd you know, through democracy he'd supported the poor um, he's sanctuary became a place of refuge for runaway slaves and people of low status Uh, in your and when and and also the city uh, decreed him a demigod in his death and you can see obvious parallels there with Hercules now in your exam you are going to be expected possibly to compare Theseus with another founder or leader or possibly comparing him to Hercules as a as a hero so a good bit of revision to do now be to grab a bit of paper write Hercules on one side, right, Theseus on the other, and compare them, uh, ask them, go through their labours and go through the things they achieved and how they were reviewed afterwards, uh, religiously, divinely, and ask who was the more heroic or who was the better man. On to the Romans then, um, and the founder of Rome, uh, well,
0: there are two who might be considered the founder of Rome. Uh, Aeneas and Romulus and if I talk about Aeneas first we talked about visual images if you look at page 79 in your book or if you look at uh, the internet and uh, search for a relief of Aeneas founding Rome you'll see a, a strange picture of somebody getting off a ship and seeing a pig um, that is, um, an image of the story that's supposed to have been told about how, uh, Aeneas founded a city, which is where Rome would end up being. And it's really important. He didn't call it Rome. That's what we'll come back to um, when we talk about, um, the, uh, story of Romulus, but, um, Aeneas, uh, was escaping from a war. Um, and, you know, in a sense, uh, just like many people around the world today. He's a refugee from a war. Uh, He's running away. He's fleeing um, across the world. um, And he ends up landing in Italy um, and end, ending up founding Rome. Now, there's lots of stories. I'll leave you to read um, about uh, Aeneas and, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, some of that's on page 78, 79. But you can find lots more if you want to read um, part of Virgil's Aeneid. If you really want to sort of push onto that, that tells the story of how um, Aeneas escaped from Troy and founded Rome. But the key thing to remember, and the thing you can put into any essay that asks you about Aeneas as a founder, is the word pietas or pietas. Okay, now you can see it on page 78 at the left hand side in the box. And it means a sense of duty. So Aeneas for the Romans was most important because of what he'd done for founding the city that becomes Rome. But key thing is the way that he did it was by just having a duty and a sense of even if it might not be the easiest thing even if it might not be the thing that kind of you feel like doing you just have to do it because that's your duty and that's the what the Romans really um, celebrated. So that's Aeneas um, the story of Aeneas and Romulus and Remus go into the these ideas of the uh, the, the, the telling of um how rome was founded um but uh they are treated as history um and mr watkins now is going to talk through uh the guy who writes that history um someone called livy and how uh you might take um that story as told by
1: livy maybe with a little pinch of
0: salt you know how how does livy tell that story
1: yeah, Livy is a great source in that you know he lived during a really significant period of Roman history—the fall of the Republic and the founding of the Empire under Augustus. However, the examiner tells us that we need to be able to understand some of the problems of using him as a source for the founding of Rome. So, very briefly, um, what material was available? to Livy. There were a bunch of written records, however, they were lost when Rome was sacked by the Gauls. So he didn't have access to a number of the written sources. Secondly, a lot of the material he's dealing with, the legends of Rome, were oral. They were spoken stories. So again, he's it's been passed down and passed down by word of mouth to different people. He doesn't have a written record and the final problem with using livy is that he himself says he sees no need to separate fact from fiction he's perfectly happy talking about the actions of humans alongside the the in, the actions of the gods so um
0: take livy with a pinch of salt um we also uh, have another figure who writes about uh, founders uh, in greece and Rome that's that 's plutarch we 're going to come back to him in just a second, but one of the figures that he writes about is um, Romulus Romulus becomes really important uh, to Rome because Aeneas founds a place that 's going to be Rome, but Romulus actually makes Rome exist um, as a as a city that becomes um, predominant in the uh, Mediterranean um, in the Classical times. I'm gonna point you towards um, something sort of slightly further on in the book this time. That's page 93. Um, it says, "Scene from the Lupercal. Um, but at the top there, you can see at the very bottom of that altar. Um, you've got two little babies um, suckling milk from a wolf. And this becomes massively uh, important and gets uh, represented um, as a statue across the Roman empire
1: because they are the twins Romulus and Remus so um, the story behind Romulus and Remus goes that King Numitor um, had a sister Rhea Silvia and it was foretold that any offspring of her would would overpower him would have a better claim to the throne he did not want that so he sent his sister to join the Vestal Virgins obviously by being a virgin, she wouldn't be able to have children and there'd be no one to replace his reign however the god Mars uh, lay with Rhea Silvia, and she became pregnant she gave birth to twins Romulus and Remus Numitor obviously didn't want these guys growing to adulthood so he had them banished sent away unbeknownst to him however they were raised by a she-wolf who allowed them to drink her milk and those baby twins grew up to be Romulus and Remus uh, who would later on battle for the founding of the city Rome there are a lot of stories
0: around that battle um, which you can have a good look at. Um, One of of them in particular is the story of the augury. Now if you read um, the details of the augury and how that um, fits in you'll know that uh, it's a good example of how trusting signs given by birds uh, isn't always the most reliable way of telling the future. Um, So we've talked about Livy, um, as a historian, we've talked about how he describes some of the Roman founders. Um, The other guy uh, I mentioned already is Plutarch, um, and he is um, a a writer who is very useful for us because um, in our comparison questions for GCSE, um, we write about the way that different founders or different temples or different ways of worshipping might uh, be compared. Here, Plutarch actually writes a parallel lives in which he compares Theseus and Romulus. So it's really worth having a read through that Um, again as part of your revision, um, comparing the way that he talks about um, Romulus, the way that he talks about Theseus and thinking how you might um, both use that as a part of an answer, but also you might... Um, kind of take a tip from Plutarch in a sense in how to compare figures and how to compare different things it's worth remembering though that Plutarch um, is basically a biographer so he's trying to make it interesting Uh, he is comparing um, great men and great lives um, but he does want to make it a little bit tasty, a little bit juicy um, and give um, some details he also wants a little bit to to simplify some of it as well so uh, there are drawbacks with all of that Worth remembering uh, for this Foundation Stories uh, section um, that there are those three prescribed sources. Okay, we've mentioned the Livy, the Early History of Rome. You can um, grab that from your um, sources booklet um, or from online, as Mr. Watkins said, um, by searching for OCR-classive um, sources. There is the Plutarch Parallel Lives, which I've just mentioned, and then there was that Kylix um, as well. Okay, you may well get given other sources uh, that kind of direct you towards stuff that you've learnt about these figures. um, But those are the ones that you'll need to know best because they are the prescribed sources.